Welcome to episode one of the RepairCast. I'm Haley. I'm Jake. I'm James. Today we are going to talk about why choose repair, what are the benefits, and what is the financial and environmental impact. To get us started, we're just going to go over what planned obsolescence is. Um, so basically, if you've noticed that the lifespan of electronics and appliances seems to be getting shorter and shorter, so have a lot of other people and some government agencies around the world. And a lot of people are calling this ecologically unacceptable. The fact of the matter is large corporations manufacturing these electronics and appliances make more money the more often their products need to be replaced. So the more repeat customers you have, the more money you're making. Sure. Um, and they're also voiding warranties or making it illegal to repair their products through deceptive EULA contracts. This is called planned obsolescence in the world of just like economics and like the electronics industry. Right. Or premature obsolescence. So going off of that, I'm going to open up the conversation. Sure. So let me introduce myself first. My name is Jake Osborne and I'm the uh, CEO um, at Supply and Demand. And we specialize in replacement repair parts um, for appliances, domestic and commercial. And we also do some HVAC repair parts and we dabble a little bit in plumbing. That's kind of a, a, a two-way question you could look about with the planned app because a lot of that too, um, environmentalists would tell you that we need to use less energy. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's constant innovation with like using less energy all the time, such as if you had a refrigerator from um, 40, 50 years ago, the amount of energy that that uses compared to a refrigerator today is probably 90% more. Mm -hmm. So um, I believe that some of the those issues is because either there's a government regulation involved, such as California recently passed the you can't buy a gas car brand new after 2035. Mm -hmm. So that's planned as well. Yeah. Uh, and that's going to force a lot of junk to be thrown in. Um, unfortunately, yeah, it would be better if they retrofitted this stuff. If they, you took your car in or you took your appliance in or, or you had someone come out and service it and was able to viably put a whole new kit involved on it that could one, reduce the energy or change how it runs. So like modular, sort of like appliances and electronics and vehicles. Yeah, like, you know, that would probably be more of a all-around best solution. Because, you know, even the repair parts that are out there today, um, we do focus with a lot of manufacturing that actually upgrades the part and makes it stronger and more viable and long-term. Mm -hmm. um, and that, in essence, can, too, um, allow it to be more efficient or even last longer if it is already more efficient. Mm -hmm. So if someone goes out and buys an appliance today, obviously it's gonna be more efficient than the appliance that they bought 20 years ago. But um, the parts that we would make for it, we would look at, is this breaking a lot? Mm -hmm. If it is, then how can we make it better, stronger, so that that appliance can last longer? Yeah. And unfortunately, when it comes to like needing to junk all these old appliances and things, unfortunately, some places just don't have the recycling facilities. Right. So there aren't a whole lot of resources available to recycle those things. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think the issue that we face with that is um, how everything's made. You know, we, we're throwing metals and plastic and electronics and all other types of materials that can't be recycled together into one big hunk. On top of that, we're using, uh, you know, different refrigerants. Um, a lot of appliances are switching to butane, which is supposedly the cleanest source of energy you can use. And they're trying to get rid of refrigerants altogether. But butane is another risk in a different way. But I think if you took this, if you took your appliance down to the junkyard, yeah, they're going to throw it right into the ground and cover it with dirt or smash it down and then cover it. Again, that's where your best effect would be if there was a place that was able to strip these down 
and uh, recycle it responsibly. But, you know, uh, we don't, as a society, invest um, our money and our hiring into recycle facilities. If we did, then, uh, you know, just like building a car on an assembly line or building an appliance, you could probably strip it all down on an assembly line at a recycling factory and they could say this plastic goes here, this metal goes here, et cetera, et cetera. But we just, uh, we decide not to do that because there's no money in it. Yeah. I mean, what do you think, James? Well, <clears throat> I think just going back to the, uh, going back to the idea of right to repair, uh, rather than breaking down all of the, uh, parts of the appliances that can be recycled and then getting into the later stages of the recycling process. I think if we back up to what the right to repair is trying to do is just to empower consumers to repair their repair their own appliances and giving them the resources, giving them the tools and the parts and the access uh, to be able to do to do it themselves. Uh, which um, that's been a big part of, of supply and demand is enabling consumers and educating consumers on their ability and enabling them, empowering them to uh, to repair their appliance themselves and giving them the tools and access and resources to do it so that their appliance doesn't end up in the landfill simply because they cannot find the parts or the resources or the tools to fix it themselves. They're more than capable, uh, me and you and, uh, and others and all the appliance guys out there, I mean, they've learned uh, how to repair things um, through means of YouTube or through other avenues. And they've been able to do it themselves. So there's more than the the people are more than capable. Um, they're just trying to get the right to repair so that they can make that option and that choice themselves. Um, but yes, then it gets into the later stages of um, recycling and and making sure that we're being uh, you know uh, tedious as far as uh, not just landfilling. Uh, these products, but actually recycling them, keeping them going, and reducing our landfill waste by enabling the consumer uh, and giving them, as it says, the right to repair. Yeah, and um, you know, to take that a step further, uh, uh, James and I were um, we were service technicians for. I was a service technician for seven years, um, and I worked on every appliance out there, and also. Um, I did also do some HVAC. Uh, James, um, you were about the same amount of time. Is that correct? Yeah, I came in right behind you. I mean, I was in the truck with you. You were training me. Your dad was training me. And so, um, you know, I came in right behind about a year, year and a half later, I guess, maybe two years. Uh, but picked up right where you left off. And then I just started mainly working on, um, you know, washers, dryers, dishwashers, um, that sort of thing. Uh, some of the simpler uh, once Jake, uh, went into, uh, HVAC and got his, uh, certifications to be able to, his EPA certifications to be able to repair refrigerators, uh, and capture, you know, Freon and that sort of thing. So, um, so that was kind of an advanced, uh, step that Jake took, but, but yeah, I've been in the same process, been in the same, um, as far as Jake was right behind him when we got started and it was uh it was enjoyable for me to uh to learn this process to learn how to fix appliances to learn where to get the parts from to learn how to get the correct parts and then just to see an appliance uh get you know three five seven ten more years just off of a off of a simple repair that you know, for the most part, most people can do if they're offered the proper resources and education. Yeah, and I, I would agree. Like, I think what we offer is the extra economical step in making this all possible, because not only are we half the price in many ways of the OEMs, but we also, uh, with information we provide, can help you along with the repairs. And there is so much information on YouTube and videos that it gives you access to almost anything you want to repair. I mean, there are some even paid websites that you can go get video access to. And so I believe, you know, uh, the consumer 
today is more empowered than they've ever been. And now the problem comes to um, really supply. You know, you have to sometimes drive 30 minutes, an hour to a big city or to an area that might have a little small shop. And even when you get to that shop, you may not find that part. And so the great thing with um, us is, you know, we're specifically online. And so you can have it delivered to your door and it relatively comes very quick. You know, some things people are an emergency thing, you know, like, I mean, I would say any of most appliances that go down is an emergency. You know, your fridge goes down, you're losing that food within a day. Um, your washer goes down, dryer goes down. Those clothes start piling up real quick on you. You know, uh, you can probably get away with certain things like, you know, your dishwasher or your oven or stovetop because you yeah. can maybe not cook or yeah, go get ice, some food. Your ice maker, so, you can go get a bag of ice. Yeah, you can yeah. get away with a, with a lot of stuff. But some of the stuff is like vital. You need that fixed as soon as possible. And that is where the customer gets in trouble because they don't have access to anything when it's an emergency to get out there quickly. And if they do have to call a service company, um, in some cases that service company can't even get to them because they're, you know, so backed up. Yeah. Some service companies you call and they're a week out, you know, I mean, and if you have a down refrigerator, you, you can't, <laughs> you can't wait a week. So also a lot of Consumers, when you talk about inconvenience and stuff, you know, they may not have the um, background, I would say, uh, where they have a lot of hands-on repairs or maybe they just didn't grow up around a lot of, a lot of um, family that did it or friends. And so I feel like that's, you know, that puts them at a real disadvantage. You know, depending on how old the appliance is, they may decide that they can quickly go buy a new appliance, but that's actually not true. In many ways, you're subjective to whatever their delivery schedule is, mm -hmm. and that could be a week out. And then on top of that, you know, you're most likely going to have your options stripped, especially if you want something quick. So you might have only three or four refrigerators to choose from or as far as where they can get it to you quick. Um, and so, you know, it, and that may not be something that people care about, but a lot of people, they care about their appliances matching in that in, in their kitchen or in their laundry room, et cetera. And so that makes it incredibly difficult to yeah. get something done quickly on the replacement side. And then if the company that's coming to deliver your new appliance hauls yours off, there's the possibility that they're not gonna recycle that or refurbish that. They're just gonna toss it in a landfill as well, which appliances actually can leak a whole lot of chemicals into groundwater and stuff when they're just tossed into a landfill. Yeah, and that's another yeah. reason why you should repair it. You know, I mean, you're stopping that from happening. And if the, if the so many people replace appliances uh, because one, they just don't, they don't, you know, they don't know uh, how simple the possible fix is. You know, you take an oven, you're like, my oven's not working. And this bake element is $30, $40, mm -hmm. but you decide you're going to go take the whole oven and get it replaced and go spend a thousand dollars on a new stove and 30 bucks. I mean, I don't know about yeah. you, but $950 that's a lot of Christmas presents. And that's what uh, and that's what the right to repair, that's the whole point of the right to repair is giving the people and the consumers the access and the knowledge uh, and enabling them and empowering them. Of course, there's a ton of liability involved uh, with, with the products. And then uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to contact, like my neighbor, uh, she tried to contact the actual manufacturer. And of course they wanted to uh, set her up with a service technician and she said, you know, no, I know the part, just send me the part. It should be under warranty. Um, but you know, it just went round and round and it was just funneling them, uh, to a service company, not their own, but a third party, uh, right. to which she would have to pay, be forced to pay, um, just to reduce the uh, liability on the company and then to protect the brand integrity because because of course a lot of consumers think they know what it is but the diagnosis is is a lot of why you pay a technician to come to your house so they can properly diagnose it replace the correct part and then get your appliance back up instead of the consumer getting a part and the company taking their word for it 
putting it on and it not working. So there's a lot of logistics in play, but I do think the right to repair is definitely something uh, that should be that should move forward to just give people more uh, more ability. And the more people that are able to fix their appliances, the more knowledge that will be shared and it'll just give people the ability to repair it themselves and keep that stuff out of the landfill. I think most people would choose, like Jake said, to put in a $30 element, which can easily be done with a couple of wires and a couple of screws and uh, and then keep their stove working rather than just tossing that junk, uh, filling up landfills over 30 bucks. I mean, seriously. Well, and to take that a step further, if you don't know how to do it, I mean, um, service calls run anywhere between, you know, I've seen them as low as 69 to as high as 129 And, you know, when you call a service company, you want to find out what the service call is, which that's usually means that's the trip in diagnostic. That's not to repair it. And then you want to ask what their labor rate is um, because they're going to charge you a labor rate a lot of times on top of that. And then you can find out how much the cost is. So let's, let's be hypothetical with a $35 element. But let's say you call a service company and you spend $89.95. They come out, the guy tells you, or the woman tells you that it's a bad element. I can see it back here. It's fried right here in the back. Okay, great. All right, well, how much more is it going to cost? Well, they're going to upcharge you the part and they're going to they're gonna hit you with the labor. And then that's where the convenience comes in. Mm-hmm. Do you want to just pay for the convenience? Because I can tell you having a bake element replaced in an oven is probably going to cost you between 200 and 250 bucks. Now it might be lower, but still that's still better than going out and spending a thousand and going out and spending all this other money. Plus you're getting a warranty if, as long as you also ask that question with the service company as well. A lot of times they'll warranty the part for a year and warranty their labor sometimes 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, sometimes a year as well. And so you're, you're, you're getting that, you're, you're gonna get that warranty that you would not get if you bought a whole new appliance. Yeah, you're gonna get a warranty on the whole thing for a year, mm-hmm. but come on, it's a brand new appliance. And how many times is it gonna break in one year? It's new. Yeah. So, you know, at least with the uh, repair, you're gonna spend less money. You're gonna be able to put that money back in your pocket and use it for other things. And you're, you're also being environmentally friendly and not throwing it away. You're helping out a local uh, service company uh, with uh, paying their employees. And if you bought the part online, you're helping out some small business probably that's selling it online. So, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of beneficial factors. I mean, you can't take away everybody who works for major corporations. That's a, that's a ton of jobs and that they're important as well. Mm-hmm. But I would say from the consumer standpoint, you know, if, if inconvenience is of an issue, I think a service company is highly regarded to make that a convenience for you and be much less cheaper and less stressful. Yeah. Going back to the right to repair, releasing blueprints, instruction manuals, not requiring like a Bluetooth dongle for their, it's literally called a dongle. Um, <laughs> no, it is. For, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For like their service technicians order to access like, Oh yeah, there's the ability there's... to repair that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, doing away with that and giving consumers the option to repair mm-hmm. opens up the possibility for more aftermarket repair part retailers, for more service tech companies to open. So that does also create even more opportunity for jobs. Yeah, Definitely. the yeah. the interesting part of the right to repair is just like the. Uh, your your warranty will be voided that's the that's kind of like the staple right like so if you touch this if you open it up if you yeah. break this seal if you take out a screw your your warranty is voided so uh, what did i just pay a thousand dollars for to bring into my house i can't even touch it but i just paid a thousand dollars to bring it home put it in my house and and then suddenly it breaks down and i can't touch it unless unless I call their people and hopefully it's under warranty. So you see it all stacks up. So it's kind of like this, I was reading over the right to repair and there was this book or, or, uh, or report that was put out, The End of Ownership, which I haven't read yet, 
but it's kind of an interesting theory just on that title based on kind of what the synopsis that I read, like, what do you actually own if you're paying a thousand dollars or 500, whatever you pay to get your appliance home and you can't touch it because it might void a warranty. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of like, you know, that's kind of the point. Like you should be able to be enabled to have the resources. Once you pay that money, that money should enable you access to repair. It should give you the right to repair that appliance without the fear of having to call the manufacturer, void a warranty, unless their people take care of it. And hardly ever is it done for free. You got to pay those people to come out and take care of it. So I do understand the cost of repair, but I'm an advocate for the right to repair. Absolutely. And next week is going to be our right to repair episode. So we are definitely going to dive in a lot mm -hmm. deeper into that. Yeah, um, because it is incredibly interesting. So we'll definitely dive into more of that next week. Or yeah, next it's, podcast. It's, a, it's a complex um, it topic is. for it's sure. It's a complex it topic, yeah, for, for the manufacturer, for the technicians, for the consumer, um, for the environment. Yeah. Um, one other situation that we could talk about is reusing your appliance or giving your appliance second life because a lot of people will upgrade and replace their appliances just for aesthetic purposes. Like mm -hmm. you were talking about. So everything matches. People are really yeah. particular about it or people like that really cute retro style where it matches all the colors of your kitchen, things totally. like that. And so instead of just tossing out the appliance that you're replacing, that could be in good condition. Um, you can, you know, sell it locally. Sure. You can donate it to perhaps like a nonprofit organization. Um, that can go to like a family in need or it can go to yeah. that organization so they can continue doing what they're doing for the community yeah. and things like that. Um, or you can also just recycle it and make sure to check your local regulations and check with recycling companies for how to properly dispose of that appliance. I took my I took my washing machine down to the recycle center uh, when I moved um, and it was they gave me 25 bucks. I mean, like I was just hey. going to throw it away, but I, I drove it down there, dropped it off. This guy came out with a big magnet with a forklift kind of thing, picked it up. They weighed it. I got 25 bucks. I'm like, hey, you know, that's 25 bucks less. And it was going to be broken down, chopped up, shredded and recycled. So. Yeah, and that's 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 a good thing about metal. I think the worst appliance that's probably out there that gets junked is probably a dishwasher, because they make the whole lot of plastic, mm -hmm. and so there's not a lot of metal involved with the dishwasher. But refrigerators, washers, dryers, they at least have the metal framing that wraps around it. So that makes metal that to be manufactured much easier. For sure. And I will say, if anybody listening wants to recycle their appliance, it's as easy as opening Google on your phone or your desktop, typing in local electronics recycling or appliance recycling near me. Yeah. And if you're on mobile, you can just call them directly and you've got it handled and you just saved the environment. Definitely, definitely. Well, you took the right step in helping save the you environment. You took it, yeah. I mean, you, you know, protect it. Uh, obviously... There's a lot of uh, that goes into that topic as well. But if everybody <laughs> yeah. just did, if everybody just did a little, right? Like you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do a hundred percent. But if everybody just did a little bit, I mean, it yeah. would make a huge dent impact in uh, waste management and uh, that sort of thing. Well, and so, part of that is accessibility. Um, yeah. Again, we talk about the right to repair. We talk about um trying to get the parts to the customer to do their own repairs um people don't have accessibility to recycling they if they have to look it up drive 30 miles out to drop it off that's a major inconvenience so the fact of the matter is is i mean you honestly want to do something about it then they should be able to drop that appliance on their curb mm -hmm. and a truck comes around and just grabs it that does this specifically and just dumps it into the back and they take it back to a recycling. They take it back yeah. to the electronics appliance yeah. recycling place. But, you know, that's again, like there just aren't enough resources or like the funding for that, which is a little silly to me. Well, part of it's up to the people because yeah, it honestly, it's it, up to, it, it it's comes up to you. To, it comes to tax money. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't want to have higher property taxes. They don't want to have higher local taxes. And trust me, who likes paying taxes? No. Nobody likes to. But the, the thing is, is like, 
if you want to actually create a better, cleaner environment um, for your future children or for the future in general generations to come, then yeah, you know, you're, you, you have to pay to have these things in place because you've got to employ people to mm-hmm. drive that truck, to, to come pick it up, yeah. to strip it down. That costs a lot of money. I'm going to ask you guys a couple of questions. Shoot away. All right. So this first question is definitely for you guys. I have no input on this. Um, All right. We'll let, we'll let James go first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so as someone that was once a service tech and now an aftermarket appliance parts retailer, what is the true value of repair to you? I honestly, I find joy. I just find joy in it. So that's not, that's not blowing smoke. I mean, I just honestly enjoy doing it. I've repaired my neighbor's dryer, her refrigerator twice, her ice maker twice. I went over there when her washer failed. So uh, what does it mean to me? I just find joy in repairing appliances and I did not find uh, joy in, um, in, in navigating the, the OEM red tape uh, a little bit. So it was, it was kind of nice to have that accessibility of parts and knowledge and resources and empowering yourself to fix it, to do it yourself. Um, I enjoy the repair. I enjoy fixing stuff. I just crawled under my house uh, last weekend and cut out some HVAC ducting that had taken on water and broken straps and I wanted to fix it. I didn't wait on anybody. I just went down there. I got the tools I needed from Home Depot and came over and laced it back up and uh, it wor- it works now. So I just find joy in in repair. And that's what led me to this, to this industry, to what I'm doing now. Um, and I continue to make videos and content because I want to empower people. I want to educate people. Um, I just enjoy doing it. I think for me, it's, um, there's definitely uh, some of that. Um... For sure. Um, part of it, though, is probably the experience of being a technician and arriving at someone's home and telling them um, that the only part I can get a hold of is this $120 part. And then I'm going to have to combine it with labor, um, a service call, and then upcharge the part. And this uh, this family um, can't really afford that. And they got um, too many expenses going on. I find joy in, in uh, what we do at Supply and Demand um, that we can actually offer the consumer or even a third-party repair company that comes to their home a chance to do the repair at a cheaper cost because it means it means a lot to a lot of people to not pay that extra hundred dollars that to me actually brings a lot of joy that we can help um, other consumers uh, do things by not just empowering them but also give them the, them accessibility but also giving the part to them at a much cheaper rate uh, offering that to a third party repair company empowers them too where they can go out and they can charge the customer less. And that customer then gives them a five-star review. They feel good about it and they're empowered. So now it ends well for everybody. Consumer gets more money in their pocket, has a working appliance, and the service company gets to now pass the warranty on to the consumer because we provide a one-year warranty. And then um, that benefits everybody. And I think that makes me super happy that we can do that for everybody. So that empowerment is definitely there and the joy. My, I think my joy is the idea of helping others in need. I think we do that very well here. The value is limitless because like Jake pointed out, there's monetary uh, things that uh, come out of repair, which are very valuable. There's the confidence. Um, there's, as we spoke of earlier, the, the fact that it doesn't, the part doesn't go to the landfill. Uh, so there's environmental value. The value is is all around. If if we can enable people and give it give them the repair parts and the resources and the knowledge at a practical price, uh, I think the value far exceeds uh, anything anything that uh, that you can imagine. The the value of repair is limitless. I guess I would have input on this because, I mean, I do have a job because of repair. Mm-hmm. Since the repair industry True. is so valuable to people, it opened up this job for me. The repair industry is a major industry on all levels. You know, how many people's jobs and employment come from repair is probably more significant than we know or ever will know. Yeah. 
So I agree, yeah, it's like the whole idea with the right to repair is economical. Overall, generalized is like extremely important that this, that part of the industry stays viable and even grows. And accessible, for sure. Yeah, and accessible, yeah. Yeah. My next question would be, do you think that we as a society, given the resources and tools, could lower the amount of electronic waste being pumped into landfills? What resources do you think we would need and how realistic is it that it will happen? Yeah, I mean, that's a loaded question because of... It is loaded. Yeah, because, you know, when you talk about environmental, it means so many different things. You know, so I think it's like, what is more concerning? Is it is it the throwing away of the appliances and the recycling of them? Or is it the energy use of what the appliances are using? Like, what is it that we're specifically worried about the most? I think we're worried about a little bit of all of it, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, how do we go about doing that? Honestly, it's a collective thing to me. Like you, you have to have politicians and you have to have environmentalists and also scientists. You have to have all these groups come together and be on to the really same page. say, yeah, and be on the same page. And then you could probably get a viable, a viable answer. I, I think yeah. the best thing you can do appliance wise is if, you know, if you go out to Lowe's or Home Depot and you buy a Whirlpool appliance, then I think it would be more accessible if you went back to Lowe's or Home Depot and you bought another Whirlpool or uh, a GE, Frigidaire, LG, Samsung, whatever you want to buy. But either one, you return that appliance there and then they could probably have a kind of a national disposal platform where they could take it and strip it and then give it back to that brand, you know, that would benefit, I think, even the appliance manufacturer, because I believe that they could probably set up something where they could reuse some of this product. Now, you have to take into effect recycling sometimes um, can be damaging in ways where the process of the recycling, Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, if they're melting down plastic and doing other, what kind of chemicals are they pushing into the air? And so, yeah, that's, that's a hard question because, you know, you have to have a lot of companies really come together, let alone politicians, environmentalists, scientists, all that other kind of stuff come together. But they would have to come together and force to change consumer opinion because 30 years ago, I mean, we were making, uh, you know, Speed Queens and these the Maytag man, you know, never had to come to your house because these washing machines had these big, huge, giant motors with oil and grease and you know these huge transmission shafts and it just you know scrubbed your uh your clothes to death until they had holes in it i mean like uh it was really it was a really good mechanical uh option but as you know society um progressed we wanted we wanted smarter more intuitive uh washing machines where they needed to be lighter they needed to be faster they needed to have more sensors they needed to gauge the water level they needed to gauge uh, how dirty the water was. They needed to gauge all these things. And then they we had all these, we had linens and, and silks and we needed all these different cycles um, where before when I was fixing like a Maytag or a Speed Queen, there was like, you know, it was like three cycles and that was it. Now, how many cycles are on washing machines? My goodness, you got, you got cycles for sheets, you got cycles for towels, you got cycles for allergies, you got cycles for um, all these different things. So that takes a, a lot of innovation and that unfortunately requires electronics and sensors and things like that. So a lot of the things that are plaguing, like you said, the e-waste um, is stuff that we asked for. I think honestly, though, we will get there. We may not be able to do it quickly, mm-hmm. but over time we can cor- have corrective actions. And um, it, it takes time, unfortunately, you know, with, with all that. You can't change this stuff overnight. And, and that is, as you would know, um, aggravating because, you know, you're like, well, I'm not on this planet forever. Yeah. We don't live forever. And so during your short time here, you know, you want to see the change occur now. Or you, you know, at least want to leave the building blocks to leave the world a better place than you found it. Yeah. So it can be incredibly frustrating when there's a bunch of older people making decisions for younger people. And they're they're trying to have a good time, not a long time. <laughs> Will we ever get to a place in the appliance industry where things can move in those directions? And the answer is yes. 
Um, how long will it take? I, I don't know. But with the forcible actions that certain economies are making, like California's economy, unfortunately, I have learned that you have to be forced into the change. So when the bad starts coming to the door, you make the change. And, you know, and, and unfortunately, we all don't do that. With, you know, we, a lot of times we have to have something either happen to us or we have to have something that we can visibly see and say, this is a problem. Until it's necessary, right? And I think, you know, we'll get to that for sure. When will that be? I don't know. But, you know, when the change has to come, what I do know of human nature is that that's when you get the empowerment. That's when you get everybody that comes together. And then the change is usually pretty ferocious and quickly. I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, it's it will happen, but it may take longer than you want it to. <laughs> yeah. This last question is, does the power of DIY outweigh the cost of inconvenience? For um, me, it does. Yeah. Because I can fix it. For yeah, sure. Yeah. Exactly. For, for people like Jake and I and, and other technicians uh, that are empowered, of course, it's like just like what I what I just said. I, you know, I went under the house to fix a squeaky floor. And uh, and then I saw my HVAC laying there just filled up with water from where it had broken straps and it was just laying down. And I was like, well, that can't that can't stay there. And for a few seconds, I thought about calling, uh, you know, my HVAC guy who I have under under contract, under a warranty. But I recognized the inconvenience of waiting a few days and was worried about what the repercussions would be on my system if I let it go any longer. So I just took it upon myself to fix it. And I mean, you know, I probably saved myself a couple of hundred dollars just by getting it done and doing it myself. So I would yeah. say though to others, I would say my convenience factor would be weighed on how much is a new appliance? How much is this gonna cost me? Yeah. Yep. You know, uh, like an example is, is um, I can pretty much repair a lot of house stuff. So obviously appliances, HVAC, Plumbing, I can I can pretty much get in there and take care of most of that as well. But cars, I I, I couldn't tell you anything about cars. I'm, I'm just could I mechanically get in there and learn how to do it? Sure, because I'm uh, you know I've done that with my hands with other things. But when my transmission went out in my vehicle, I was extremely lucky because one, it was under warranty. I took that car down there and I thought, you know, this car has got forty thousand miles on it. Um, how much is this going to cost me? And that would have been a, a factor if they would have came and said, hey, this is going to cost you seven, eight thousand dollars. And then I'm thinking, well, I can go buy a new vehicle for 20, 30 grand. Then that's a, a real issue. Like, do I spend seven or eight thousand dollars out of pocket or do I fix this car or do I buy a new one and have a new Maybe I don't have to pay seven, eight thousand dollars out of pocket right at the front. But, you know, now I got a whole new note for 30 grand. And so oh, it's yeah. like, what's the inconvenience? And I think the inconvenience comes down mainly not to time, but to financial. That is a good that is a good point, because some people would relate it to time. Some people would relate it to finances. And it really just depends on what the situation is and what the problem is. But I, I believe and again, like Jake said, I mean, we love DIY because, yeah, we, we can fix things. You know, we have the technical knowledge uh, and experience. Uh, to go through that. So yeah, I would side with yes, the power of DIY definitely outweighs the inconvenience, but it depends on what the inconvenience is in your case, like Jake mentioned, like, is it time? Is it is it money? Is it uh, what is it? And then how long will it take to fix it? So but I always side with DIY, I want to fix it first, but I know where to cut myself off. I know what I don't know. And that's the most important thing. Don't get over your head. If you don't know what you're doing, stop, call a professional and have somebody, you know, help you out with it. But, you know, there is a there is a a wide range of resources and knowledge that uh, a lot of people can get into DIY and, and save a lot of money, save a lot of time. I think the only input that I have about the cost of inconvenience would probably be that we do kind of live in a very like on demand world with yeah. shorter yeah. attention spans. So for me, the cost would be time, I think. Yeah, time. Um, and for a lot of people, yeah. yeah. So sometimes people don't have the time to wait for the repair or they see the DIY process as expensive because you mm -hmm. have to go get a tool or, 
you have to run to this place True. and that place, or you have to wait on this part, or you have to buy more parts than you were expecting. Yeah. Um, or even you have to take time off of work in order to let um, a, a repair technician come sure. in. Yeah. Sure. Which, um, for me, we have the luxury of there being a service or tech service literally in the building. Sure. So I would feel comfortable just giving them my house code and letting them in if something were wrong because there's that trust because we because work you know, together. Yeah. But not everybody has that luxury. So someone would Definitely. have to take time off of work. They'd have to pay for the service call. And in the event that perhaps they have to wait to order that part because they don't have it on hand because it's something like crazy and specific or something, that's even more time and another call and more time off work. So. I can see where the cost of inconvenience would outweigh the power of DIY um, or repair in that situation where someone would be just like, forget it, I just need a new one. Or they don't know, like, you know, calling a service company yeah. is an alien process compared to going down to Lowe's, Home Depot, or wherever they want to buy the Best Buy or yeah. wherever they want to buy a pond. They know that place. They've been sure. in there. They trust it. But service companies are, you know, there's a lot of them out there. A lot of guys, all that you have to do is be licensed, bonded, and insured. And some of them aren't even that. You know, you don't have to get a certification from the state to go fix appliances. You can... I mean, I would say if you're calling a company that has been around a long time, mm -hmm. or you're calling a service company that has good reviews, mm -hmm. um, those are two pluses. But if you're calling oh, sure. someone who hasn't been around a long time or, you know, doesn't have the best of reviews or... You found on Facebook from your friend's mom's co-worker. Yeah, well, you know, right, they, you know, recommendations, word of mouth is a lot, a lot I mean, of power. I it is, but sure. sometimes... It can be I don't scary. Know, used... <laughs> it can be yeah, scary. I... It's sometimes, the sometimes. It's the privacy. It's, uh, you don't know who you're going to get. Uh, it's the privacy of someone, yeah. a stranger being in your home. But I don't hear about service companies going in nationally and being like, they tore my whole house up. Right. You know what I mean? No, like, that's, you that's mostly just hear that kind happen. of about just like sketchy, like car places. Yeah. It's like calling anybody else to your house, whether it's a carpenter yeah. or a contractor or a plumber or electrician, you know, there's you're, always you're, that you're, risk. You're gonna you're you're gonna have it where you hope you call the person that they know what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. Just make sure because you're there's a lot of people who don't. Yeah. For sure. Um, but I do agree that DIY is empowering because working here, um, I edit some of the videos and stuff that we do the repair stuff with, and I I'll like watch all the clips that like sometimes James will send me, and I'm like, oh, it's literally that easy. Or Definitely. there was one video where he had um, his daughter in, and I was like, "It's so easy. She is helping." Like, <laughs> she okay. likes to she likes to help. She likes to get in there with yeah. me. Every time I break out the tool bag, she can be playing with he. She can be playing with her unicorns and with her toys and all this other stuff. And I break out the tool bag, and she's right there next to me. So uh, she was out there helping me defrost the fridge that had frozen up. The drain line had frozen up, and you know that's just one of the things that I know how to fix. Because uh, Jake taught me that. And so we got out there with the steam gun. She got excited for the tools. We just kind of got it out there and, you know, cleaned out the drain. But yeah, it's uh, there's definitely a lot of things that go into outweighing the cost of inconvenience and, and time. And the tools, sure. too. The, time, the, the tools. tools you bring. Some, sometimes the tools are quite expensive or you oh, don't know goodness, where to get yeah. them. And, and and that can be a, definitely a decision factor. Yeah, um, do you have a quarter inch nut driver? Do you have a 5 sixteenths nut driver? Do you have torques? Do you have yeah. the privacy torques? Uh, do you have the ratchets? Do you have the things that you need? Do you have yeah. a meter? Do you have like, a meter? Oh man. Do you know how to use the meter? Yeah. yeah like, thankfully for me, um, <laughs> my partner and I, we live with his brother and he is actually a mechanic and has, I think, every Milwaukee tool under the sun. Yes. So thankfully, like, because I, during lockdown, I re completely redid a room in our house. And, like, <laughs> I learned how to do it by watching YouTube. And, like, we had tools that I could use, to, like, patch walls and, like, things like that. Or, like, a drill so I could build furniture and stuff. Right. But, like, if I had to go and buy all those power tools on top of all, like, the building materials and things like that, I don't think I would have redone the room. I yeah. It wouldn't have come out as well as it did. So I definitely get that sometimes having to purchase those things is hard. But also, Target does have really cheap just toolkits. And I got one. Um, nice. For anyone out there who really loves the color pink, I got a pink set. <laughs> nice. And I use that all the time at home. So 
It wasn't super expensive. Well, and now you can go on uh, you can go on Amazon and buy buy all kinds of tools. Oh, for sure. And, and have them delivered to your to your you know doorstep really really quickly. Um, yeah, tools is a good. I, you know, for me, point, it would though. be like number one is going to be do it yourself. That's going to be my number yeah. one option all the time. My yeah. number two option is I'm going to call a service company or I'm going to call someone out to give me an accurate diagnostic. And then I'll make the decision, do I want to go ahead and do the repair or not? And then my third option is actually replacing it. Yeah. yeah. That's the last thing I'm going to do, you know, because I know that's going to cost me the most. You know, uh, if you bring into an appliance today, you know, you can go spend, you can easily go down to Lowe's and spend $2,500 on a brand new refrigerator. Yeah. If not more. And so the idea of having to spend that again, because, uh, you know, I didn't take the moment to call a service company that is just that's going to inconvenience my bank account is what that's going to do for sure (laughs) and then you know um and if i knew how to do it that's going to save me not only time but probably money as well and so the the power of do-it-yourself definitely outweighs any inconvenience if you know how to do it and if you have the time to do it Mm -hmm. um and if you have the tools to do it it gives you more than just the financial edge. It gives yeah. you the satisfaction that you did. It boosts your self-confidence. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's like solving a problem. There's nothing like making a meal or fixing an appliance or fixing your car or anything that you've done, craft-oriented, anything. You're fixing a computer. But when you've done fixed it and it works, there's, there's no other feeling of like accomplishment. For sure. It's like taking a test and, you know, uh, I, I made a I made a hundred on it or a 96 or wh- yeah. whatever you, uh, I made yeah. an A. You, you know? just want to pass. It's that satisfaction yeah. of like, <laughs> yes, I made it and I did it. And mm-hmm. I think the empowerment of that definitely outweighs the inconvenience because calling a service company and having it replaced, well, you know, you're going to pay money and have an outcome, but you yourself didn't do it. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was, but the empowerment of doing it yourself, that's unreplaceable. So I would say yeah. that outweighs it for sure. I think I would agree with that because the home office that I redid, it had like 30 year old wallpaper on the walls. Yeah. I stripped that wallpaper with like detergent and like a little like scoring thing wow. and a steamer. And it's then I lot. patched the walls <laughs> and I painted them and like literally everything. And every time I go in there, I do still... It's been like two years and I still do feel so proud of that because I'm like, I did this. I did this room. Yeah. And if someone so, walks in there yeah. and sees that room too and is like, oh, this is cool in here. You're just like, yeah. I know it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. Like so, I mixed my paint. I mixed. I have glitter in my paint. This is totally irrelevant um but no, like well, yeah i do like, it's not I irrelevant agree. i like that the diy i actually like that tagline. yeah that's an extra touch it's it's like guys or women anybody who does their garage floor and they and they throw flakes on it oh, that's yeah. uncalled for you, you don't you don't need the flakes on there or the sparkles in it but they do it just to make it have it some extra yeah. visual looks effect. nice you know? personality yeah personality there you yeah. go so yeah i do agree that diy is incredibly empowering and you can think of it yeah. as an inconvenience i think that's the problem with some people is they think oh, i gotta do it myself that's an inconvenience so yeah. if your mind is set there it's probably going to be inconvenient for you mm-hmm. yeah but if it's not if you're one of these people that's just like i'm gonna figure this out you know, yeah. then obviously the do-it-yourself definitely outweighs any type of convenience because those For type sure. of people, they'll take as much time as they want. <laughs> so, <laughs> and some of them will spend as much money as they can to yeah. fix this thing. And so, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've had people uh, weighing of inconvenience. I had a customer one time. He was in his 80s and he had these two avocado green washer and dryers. And he, right. the, the washer had the tub go out the, and needed a new tub seal. This thing was 40 years old. And I'm thinking, sir, if we rip the tub seal out of this, there's rust at the bottom of the tub. You know, you might have to replace the entire tub. And he didn't care. And I was just like, I'm not, I don't want to, <laughs> I really don't want to repair this. Yeah. Um, because there's a, a huge risk for me as a technician. And plus the, the parts themselves are becoming obsolete. So it was making it a very difficult thing for me, but this customer would not budge. He was like, my wife will freak out if she comes in here and one machine is avocado green and the other one is some other color. He, I, I, I said, okay, well, sir, you know, um, this is going to cost you like $1,000. And he said, okay, I'll do it. 
And I thought, you, this guy is not stopping. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, okay, look, um, I, okay, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't want to do the repair, just because. And and trust me, you don't want to hire some other service company to do it, because they're gonna string just, you along. They're gonna. They're gonna. Yeah, you. and then I don't want you to get taken where they someone charges you a whole bunch of money, doesn't give you the repair right, and then you don't get an end product which is basically the end product is having your machine work or washing right. your clothes. My thing with that, and this was to avoid inconvenience, mm -hmm. was to tell the customer, I'm going to remove the machine for you. And I'm gonna go buy you a washer and I'm gonna bring it back here. And then I'm gonna give you access to a painter who can come paint an avocado green for you. And he said, deal. <laughs> and I charged him, I charged him about 600 bucks to do all that work. And so that was an inconvenience for me, but from a factor of the job being completed, a convenience that I didn't have to repair it. Because yeah. we and, always listen to the customer and yeah. we want to do what the customer wants to do, but we want to give them practical price, but we also have to, you know, uh, pay for our time. And, and uh, we also care about the customer and like, yeah. Last thing I want is this is this person that spent a thousand dollars in some repair, and when when it's an extremely old machine, and then not get what get out of it what he thought he would like the, another another ten years worth or because you yeah. still have a forty year old timer, you still have a forty year old pressure yeah. switch, you still have forty year old hoses, you still have a forty year old motor. You know, just mm -hmm. fixing a seal doesn't make your machine brand new; it just fixes the problem. Do you guys have any closing thoughts or anything like that before we wrap up and say goodbye? No, I mean, this was a good, for me, it was a good first episode. Um, I hope yeah. that anybody who listens gets some knowledge out of it. And, and we're definitely here to expand and, you know, our knowledge and help people with the right to repair and with getting accessibility to the parts and the information. Yeah, definitely For a great sure. first episode. I hope everybody will keep listening because we're definitely, uh, as we progress with these episodes, going to dig into more uh, content. We're going to get more specific about things and we're going to uh, uncover uh, a lot more in the in the repair industry and appliance industry. Uh, and we'll talk a lot more about a lot of other topics. So just keep listening in. It'll get more specific, more entertaining. We're going to we're going to uh, repair uh, this podcast and uh, and innovate it and and make a lot of fun things happen. Agreed. Well, if that is all, thank you for listening to the RepairCast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider following and leaving a rating or a like. As always, you can drop a comment or question to our email, podcast at supplyanddemand.org. Also, check the episode description for everywhere you can find us, including our website, Instagram, and YouTube. That's all for this week. We'll see you next time.